Welcome to the Freedom to Learn podcast, exploring freedom, autonomy and social justice in education. This recording was made at the 2020 Freedom to Learn online forum. Okay, so welcome to this session on Friday morning about self-care and burnout. Um, Timely, because it's been quite a busy time for some of us. (laughs) So I'm a little twitchy myself. But um, uh, I really wanted to include this session because I feel a bit negligent if I do anything about change making or you know changing the system all that stuff without including this because it is so important and you really can't have one without the other without essentially a disaster occurring in my opinion right so for me this is really really important um, to have in the conversation and please feel free to use the chat box throughout to share thoughts, opinions about yourself, whatever you want to. It'd be really nice if you want to introduce yourself right now into there, but my capacity to read that chat and talk is like basically zero. So I will appreciate your sharing and I'll look back at it, but I won't be able to necessarily interact that well as we go along. Um, um, I um, start my work with agreements and that's to try and help me be able to do this and to have make sure that everyone has the best experience possible and when I have more time with people to do that we do it collaboratively but we don't have time today so I'm just going to say what I need and hope that I've got enough experience at this point to think about what others might need as well but um yeah I'll, I'll, I'll do my best so what I need to be able to hold this session is the freedom to take us through the slides and actually to like do it um and for that, I'm kind of asking for your consent to me holding this space and, and leading you through. Um, that's one thing that I need. And also for us to listen to each other. So we might break out and it'd be great if we can listen to each other. And for you to let me know please, if there are any problems. Um, because I don't want to carry on if I'm doing something like super problematic for someone. Please let me know so that I can change. And um, and please share how feels good to you and listen to yourself and how you participate. And if the session stops feeling good to you, please feel free to leave it and know that I'm not going to have any negative thought about that. I will just really respect you for listening to yourself and getting out of here, <laughs> basically. And, and also, um, if you want to move your body, like don't feel that you have to conform to sitting at a screen watching a Zoom so that I know you're listening. Like, move around do what you need, just feel comfortable, get drinks, just be yourselves, yeah? As long as it's not, like, so distracting with really great dance moves, I'll be fine, and I'm sure everyone else will as well. And if you can stay muted, that would really help me out too. Um, So the plan is that I'm going to introduce what self-care is, um, talk a little bit about intersectionality in self-care, because it's really important to mention that. Oh, hang on. (laughs) Um... And then we can share some things about what we do to be self-caring, talk about barriers. I'm going to introduce burnout, talk about burnout recovery. And then I've got a whole nice list of resources that you might want to use afterwards. Okay. So I feel massive gratitude to um, activists that have come before us and are around now for the work that they've done on raising this issue around self-care and have been so inspired and I'm so grateful especially to black feminist intersectional feminist authors and activists Um, and I think that um, we'll come on to a bit more in the intersectionality part but 
the more you are in an experience, the more you realise how important aspects of that experience are. So um, it's no surprise to me that some of the, the most brilliant um, scholars and thinkers on this are people who experience multiple different types of discrimination. And um, Audrey Lord is so inspiring. And, and I, I started with her quote because it's the one that I think is strongest and most rad, basically, that um, caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it's self-preservation. And that's an act of political warfare. I mean, like, how hardcore is that? It's like really positioning self-care as a political act, as, as activism in and of itself. Um, and I think that is true, essentially. Um, I love Angela Davis's work. Um, there's brilliant videos of her talking about this on YouTube, um, which I've got links for for later. Um, but she says, anyone who is interested in making change in the world also has to learn how to take care of herself, himself, their selves. It means that we're able to bring our entire selves into the movement. It means a holistic approach. And again, it's just she's making the point that if you were going to be a change maker, you, caring for yourself is is intrinsic to that experience. It's essential and it enables us to be fully human in our activism. If we don't self-care, we'll talk about it later, but our ability to be fully human in our activism basically diminishes. Um, and and it's so important to, to know that so that you know that when you're acting in a self-caring way, you are protecting yourself and also the folk that you work with um, it's it's um, really important. And Adrienne Marie Brown, I love her work on pleasure activism. If you haven't checked it out, you really should because she centres pleasure as a radical act and as activism. And and so she says to really transform our society, we'll need to make justice one of the most pleasurable experiences we can have. And I find it really encouraging and exciting to think about how how doing something that feels good is it can be really powerful justice work and and to to challenge the idea that that um changing the world always has to feel like a state of struggle basically that you always have to be somehow struggling pushing against yourself or other people or you know that it, that that if you're not taking chips off yourself somehow you're not an activist or whatever that that what she's saying really is that well what about this idea that actually our activism can feel good it can be pleasurable it can be fun, playful, connected, that actually, um, you know, depending on your identity, experiencing pleasure in our society is a radical act. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you and, uh, and flag up these brilliant thinkers at the start of this session. So what is self-care and what does it mean to you? And it's an important question and I would really encourage you to share into the chat box right now, even though I can't actually see it, but others can. Um, the answer to this question, what is self-care to you? What does it mean to you? What does it look like? And, and the reason for inviting this sharing is to highlight, hopefully, that it looks really different to different people. It's broad. It's, there's not one thing that is a self-caring act I mean there are some generalizable things like feeding ourselves <laughs> like really self-caring um sleep self-caring you know there are some basic very sort of fundamental human needs that meeting those needs really is self-caring act but but it's really personal and and who we are is um as people massively informs what it means for us to be self-caring to ourselves um and 
and part of part of embracing that is recognizing ourselves as worthy and deserving of that care and that we, that we deserve to be loved we deserve to feel cared for by ourselves and by others <coughs> that that um that it's okay to prioritize that in fact it's not only okay but it's a super powerful thing to do that and that you're contributing towards the change you want to see in the world by doing it um so self-care is important because it makes us sustainable because it reflects our humanity because um also because it enables us to actually achieve the things we want to do um and i think it's you know it's so important to frame our activism in a long-term perspective because change doesn't happen in one act it's not one protest one great article in the paper there's no there, there is no single act which is a tipping point it's always accumulation of many many different things happening over time and and for me the biggest threat to to change is people burning out basically it's a threat to the longevity of the actions and because it's it's special folk that are into this right it's not everyone i'm sure you've experienced this right it's not everyone on the street that is doing this yeah it's some special folk who hear the need who feel the need and are taking action and those people need nurturing they need loving caring nurturing support from from others but from our own selves to enable us to do what we actually want to do and move in the direction that we want to go in and to expand on that I want to talk about self-care and intersectionality because self-care self -care is important for everyone, right? For everyone. <laughs> but some people, I think, need to be more mindful than others in a way about their own self-care. And that's because of the way that their identity and lived experience interacts with the world around them and the impact that has on their well-being, right? So... I can I can talk about myself. I'll talk about my own my own identity in regards to that, right? So, um, I grew up as a child with a trans parent. Okay, that meant that I was growing up like for me, growing up in a transphobic culture as a child of a trans parent means that my well being is under threat, basically, in the society that I live in, and and um, what else? So, also part of my identity is that I'm a queer woman. In a gay relationship so in a homophobic culture i'm also experiencing the tension and the conflict there um my children don't go to school and i'm starting to see our education culture as being like as having school supremacy issues basically so i'm with my children outside of school in a culture where school is normative and deviating from school is seen as deviant basically and abnormal so i'm also experiencing attention there um um, that being said, I'm also white and middle class, so I'm not experiencing extra conflict there that other people do experience. Okay, so so when I'm thinking about my own self-care, I'm thinking, yes, dude, like you do need to care for yourself because because of these things. Before you even get started on on what you're, you know, what you were doing yourself, you're in an environment where that wasn't really designed for you isn't really that welcoming to you all the time and and just existing in that environment takes a bit of a toll <laughs> and then if you're also going to be outspoken if you're also going to make things and put things out into the world then that's it you're bringing more attention to that which can flare those experiences right so so um 
so yeah and also knowing that there's shame and stigma that comes with these discriminations that can diminish our ability to know that we're entitled to be self-caring and to experience love and care right you know being transphobia is literally the worst right it's the worst and it's like um um is a, such a stigma around being either trans or in proximity to a trans family member or having a trans partner that there's like a secondary experience of that and um and society in a way would tell me that like i'm really not entitled to be self-loving or self-caring right and i don't believe that but it but it, it does require you to kind of like ground yourself and be like no that's that's bullshit i'm not into that at all i am a human i'm entitled i'm deserving of love i'm deserving of being here my voice matters like everyone else's right so it's kind of like doing that work within yourself to be really become like radically self-accepting and then say great yay i'm a human cool what next so as i said earlier on self-care is very personal and can look different to different people and i would really like you to share if have i already asked this like you'll share the things that you do um, that are self-caring for yourself into the chat if you have anything that you have as part of a practice or just and and, and to notice what is a self-caring act it's basically intentionally doing something that you know makes you feel good right or meets a need at the base level it's just meeting doing things to help you meet your basic survival needs right and then and then you can add and elaborate on that with all kinds of fun stuff um so please feel free to share and then you you'll see um resonance with other people you might have self-care things in common that's fun because then you might do them together <laughs> um, but also just to see the, the range of things and i've put a few here um the things that i like to do that feel good to me and and i would say it's been learning over time that has helped me have attention around what i need to do that's self-caring and i'm still learning all the time about that because also depending on our circumstances what is self-caring can change so for example before having kids alone time wasn't really on my self-care list because i actually am a really sociable person and i like being with other people and i didn't notice that it was a thing for me but being really starved of alone time meant that alone time became really high on my priority list of self-care. So it's not what is self-caring is likely to flux and change over time depending on what you're doing. Um, and I and I had a fun little activity with myself earlier on where I made a bit of um what's it called like a uh, a visual board of what self-care looks like for me and the process of doing that was so fun that i would really encourage others if it feels good to them to create a little a little vision board of what self-care looks like and this is my one so sherbet ice cream eating things that are tasty hugs and kisses and other stuff with my partner who i love being in nature and being around trees. I also love being at the beach at the moment. It's like a big one for me. I love being by the sea. And then the bottom left one is me cracking jokes in a work environment, um, which I find really self-caring for some reason. Um, but I think it's basically just being myself and, and also doing things to kind of like lift energy. Like I feel good when I'm lifting energy in a space. I find that to be self-caring. Okay, so 
I'm going to invite everyone now to go into the breakout room um, because we've reflected a little bit on on um, self-care and what it is, or at least I have, and I'm hoping in the chat box that that's going on. I can't actually, I can't see it, but I'll find it in a minute. Um, but it's all well and good for me to be like, yeah, self-care, it's so great, just do some self-care. Um, but there are obviously barriers to it, otherwise maybe we would do it <laughs> more freely. Um, and I think it's important to acknowledge the barriers and also to think about and share on ways that people have found to overcome those barriers. Um, because my, I mean, my experience would be that sometimes the barriers are quite fixed and it's really difficult um, to actually get past them. Like for example, um, when I had a newborn baby, a barrier to my self-care was essentially the needs of a newborn and living in an environment that didn't have good support for mums and newborn babies. Um, and in that situation, I kind of like felt that I needed to prioritise my baby's needs and it took a hit on my own self-care. That's a barrier that to me was was one that existed and, and I didn't feel at the time that I had much that I could do about it. But I've come to realise over time that, that some of the barriers are more psychological so it's, it is like these blocks around our sense of entitlement, self-care and things which can be barriers. So anyway, in the breakout rooms, um, uh, the invitation there is to share on the barriers that you experience currently to being self-caring and any solutions that you've found to overcome them. Thank you. And um, you've got a function um, on Zoom to raise your hand if you want to share something. And I was just wondering, before we go back to the slides, if there was anything anyone would like to feed back to the group from their breakout room, something that they shared or an observation or reflection. Please raise a hand or, oh, Max. I don't know how to use the hand function, so I'm using the old That's all right. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to raise something about we often make an assumption that self-care means taking ourselves out of groups and having time on our own or time in nature or time just with friends or family. And we had a conversation in our group that actually allowing ourselves to be in communities and be involved in activism and to find like-minded people who we want to work with and throwing ourselves into that type of work is actually part of self-care as well. Um, so I just wanted to raise that. Thank you. Yeah, I totally agree and can relate to that. Like being with other people that care about things that you care about is so can feel so such a balm and it's so nice. Um, Kezia. Uh, we we talked about the barriers and how we um, how it can be really hard to believe that you're worth it or. Um, uh, uh, and that the barriers can be often in your head and that when you actually ask for it people give it willingly but you build up an idea in your head that they won't give it so you don't ask um, that you put your own obstacles in place we we had sort of similar but slightly different experiences yeah I think that's so common I mean <clears throat> based on the way that children are socialized that's probably the normative situation across society is that we don't generally don't feel um, so entitled maybe um, because of our lived experience. Um, I like to think that my capacity to be self-loving, to be loving externally is likely to be similar to my capacity to be, to be, capacity to be self-loving internally. And so that the more self-loving I can be within myself is 
is is reflected outside and that helps me to give myself permission to be self-loving because I really want to be externally externally loving um Sarah and Alexi had a hand up yeah um just showing a point that we made which was that one of the biggest barriers is time and one of the ways to kind of overcome those barriers is recognizing where you can have mutual self-care so one of my self-care things is being creative and kind of crochet and things like that and I'm very lucky that I've got a friend who is able to sit in silence with me so we can sit in silence and crochet together and kind of support each other's self-care in the same space which means we hold the time for each other to create that kind of ability to self-care <laughs> and it's kind of easier to do that if you're doing it for someone else than for yourself yeah that's such a good point <clears throat> i find the same with like a yoga class for example i find it easier to be in a class doing it than practicing by myself and i think maybe it's the same reason it's like a defined time <laughs> um that you can access with others and that can be really helpful lucy hi um yeah we we or similar to what kezia was saying we also said that a lot of the barriers um to self-care are internal rather than external it's all about kind of what we tell ourselves about allowing the time and um, and prioritizing time and it's not that we don't have enough time to do stuff it's that we don't prioritize self-care over other things um, and the um, the other one being caring for other people so be it elderly relatives or children that that is a burden that we have that we um, and it's a barrier to self-care um, but that sometimes just acknowledging that that's a burden and that that's a choice that you're making to to make that commitment because technically you could just turn around and say no I'm not going to support you but like you make a choice to be the kind of person that does support people and just by acknowledging that that's a choice and that that's a positive action that you're taking sometimes that can really help yeah and I think acknowledging that caring as an action is also activism in our society which doesn't value caring um, then you can include your caring in your activism sort of sense <laughs> and understand how the self-care that you need needs to inter interact with that um, um, because I think I do think caring is activism right now does anyone else have anything that they would like to share before we go back to the sides um, Sarah and Alexi um, uh, so the um, thing that I found there is that there's choice as well in that, that your self-care is a choice and, and as with all choices there is always consequence so for example me choosing not to be on social media has the consequence that I, I have more difficult time managing relationships with friends and family that's not their fault and it's not really my fault but it is a consequence of that choice I have made and so I you know uh, uh, and yeah recognizing acknowledging that is really important yeah yeah, I think that's true. And it helps us to not be in like a victim state, I think, to know that because then you're like, you understand <laughs> the situation and it's not, doesn't become personalised. Like the consequences don't become sort of personalised. They're just consequences of a, of a choice, like you say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Jemima? Hi, uh, just a small thing, really. Um, uh, it's all been so interesting hearing what people are saying, but the uh, one idea was that 
we can sometimes um, sort of replace one barrier like with another. So uh, in, in my case, maybe uh, replacing um, parenting, which is really brilliant, but also potentially a barrier, as you were saying, Sophie, that with um, uh, work, which has really clear beginning and ending and ticks and pats on the head and all that sort of thing. Um, in, and so that the shuttling between the two can be a sort of a barrier, displacement in that way, rather than actually something more nourishing sometimes. Yeah, I think that's that's right. Um, Lucy, have you you have your hand up? Is it? Do you have something more to say to add? No, just haven't taken it down. Sorry, right. <laughs> that's okay. No problem. All right. So, is it just a little shout out for anyone that wants to share still before I go back to the slides? No. All right. Cool. Um, oh. Okay, so now we're going to talk about burnout, and basically, burnout sucks so bad. Burnout is the worst. It, uh, I mean, please put in the comments if you have burnt out, feel like you're burning out, have experience of burning out in the past, um, because I have burnt out multiple times in my life so far. I burnt out once um, at 16, I would say in hindsight, like it wasn't really acknowledged as that at the time, but in hindsight, I think for sure that's what happened. Um, and then I burnt out again really badly in like 2015, 2016, to the point where um, I was driving along <coughs> the A11 or something, <coughs> and um, everything in front of me started to turn, like as if I was drunk. Um, as I was driving and thankfully I was in a car with a friend so we pulled over and she took over driving but she was like I think you should go to the GP so I went to the GP who took one look at me and was like yeah you need to go and have a brain MRI scan and I was like what went to have a brain MRI scan they were like <clears throat> yeah you need to come back for a second one because the first one's inconclusive and let me tell you that experience was like a wake-up call burnout is just grim and and I think you know the thing is that the further, the more burnt out you get, the longer it takes to recover. And we'll come back to that a bit later on. Um, but essentially, I, I was really unaware of my of my burning out process in the past. Um, I didn't know what, I kind of didn't understand what I was experiencing as the journey of burning out. Um, and now I have a much better awareness of what symptoms I experience when I'm burning out. And there's a bunch of symptoms listed here, which were collected from sharing that happened yesterday on Facebook and on Twitter um, when I asked for people to share on how they experience burnout. Because again, like self-care being really personalised, symptoms of burnout are really different depending on who you are as well. Um, but I think there are some common themes. <clears throat> for myself, I feel physical exhaustion, like intellectually and psychologically. I'm super resilient and tend not to really notice that I'm burning out. I'm quite like... I'm like high functioning or whatever, so I just carry on. And so it's my body that hits me first before I realize up here. So I feel like physical exhaustion, I lose my voice. <laughs> um, um, I, feel, I start stumbling, I drop things, I become like clumsy. Um, I get back pain, I get weak knees, like a whole bunch of random stuff. Um, 
And please, if you would, if you if you feel happy to put into the chat any symptoms that you know that you have that indicators that you're burning out, um, because I think that raising awareness of the burnout symptoms is really helpful, so that other people can notice in themselves if they are um, on a burnout route, basically. Um, and I know that my symptoms are not going to be the same as everyone else's. Um, but yeah, it's grim. Like feeling like you, you, you know, losing, like becoming apathetic, like losing the ability to sort of care about the things that you cared about, losing the ability to enjoy things that you normally find enjoyable. Depression, anxiety can be symptoms of burnout. Um, one I think that's quite important is a sense of like narrowed, re narrowed reality where everything feels extremely urgent and it's really difficult to step back and see that actually, you know, there are more options than you think can be a symptom of burnout um yeah and burnout recovery takes time and the more burnt out you are i think the longer it takes to recover which is why sort of intervening early or noticing earlier signs of burnout is so important um in in heading off a kind of worse experience i guess um because it does really take time to recover and oh <coughs> and um and and it's hard like being in burnout recovering from burnout isn't that fun like it's a bit boring i think i don't know you can't do the things that you want to do you feel exhausted you feel unwell can have had a physical toll can have hurt yourself because of that you know there's um essentially what would what you know part of the point of this whole session is to say um, burnout is a, is common for people who are activated, who are doing things differently in society, or who are different to what society says is okay. And it's likely that it's going to be inside of your vision a lot of the time. I think as a as a possibility, and the symptoms can sometimes creep, like little things that you maybe don't notice, and then they build up in like a crescendo. And it can get to a point where you really are, are struggling and really unwell. And also the thing is, there's a really good book called Trauma Stewardship, which I really recommend. <coughs> and it talks about how the more burnt out we are, essentially the worse we become at, 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 at the change we want to see. So if, you know, if we're working towards a society which is more compassionate, more empathetic, um, more open um where there's more listening and more community the more burnt out we get the less able we are ourselves to be those things and 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 then we're kind of our, we start to work against the uh, the change we want because of our own burnout and our capacity to be ourselves diminishes so um, I love this um, quote from Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks is amazing on this topic as well. Her books about love, I really recommend. She's she's brilliant about it, and she's really, um, really um, interesting on definitions of love. Like, what does love mean in the paradigm that we're working towards? Like, how can we be in that energy of being loving to ourselves and others? And she says, the moment we choose to love, we begin to move against domination, against oppression. The moment we choose to love, we begin to move towards freedom, to act in ways that liberate ourselves and others. That action is a testimony of love as the practice of freedom. And I think, you know, it's, it's making that point again that actually being loving is activism 
and it it challenges the things in society that we want to change and so having a loving practice towards ourselves and in our work and towards other people is is radical activism um and when that love starts to drain out the bottom because we're doing too much or we're not you know there's whatever it is that is threatening it that that we're also moving out of our activist energy even if we are more activated than ever the love part is is drifting and that's that's a bit that really matters <clears throat> and these are some resources <clears throat> excuse me for this cough um, these are some resources that i found super helpful um, and use myself and i refer to them often myself and share with others in the work that i do and um, what I can do is share them with you in the chat because Axe helped me to learn that if I queue them up, I can press a button and bingo, there they are. I'd really encourage you, um, if you want to explore this more, to copy those links and, um, and uh, explore them, basically. And Abby, um, yes, I'm happy to share the slides as well if um, I'll ask for some help about how best to do that. But yeah, I'm very happy to share. Okay, and so for the last 15 minutes that we have together, um, I would love to do Q&A or for people just to share thoughts and reflections again to the group about this topic and the subject and, and what we've been talking about. Um, Bruno. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say thank you so much. And this has been such a eyes-opening thing. I'm still a bit of in short moment because I really need to rethink a lot of things after this. But yeah, really needed. And, and I think this shows also that maybe the more mainstream system doesn't consider this because of the power that this idea can, can have and the possibilities that it can open. So, so I think that could be something to, to think about and, and to keep developing. But, but yeah, but thank you so much from a personal point because yeah, it was, it's been really good today. Please, thank you. Well, it's such a pleasure. And thanks for coming to the forum, Bruno. It's been great to see you across different sessions over this week. Does anyone else have anything they want to share? I wanted to ask a question, Sophie, yeah. if that's yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> so I know that the CEO of Phoenix and um, I am aware because I work with you in that capacity that you spend quite a lot of time talking about the importance of self-care in organizations and what organizations should do and the responsibility that we have to staff and so on. I wondered if you'd say a bit more about that in terms of if you are in a, a sort of leadership role, what you think the responsibilities are to the people who work with you and to the young people, clients, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, Max, it's true. Like, this issue is really important to me personally and also in work contexts. Um, I kind of see it as foundational, actually, because if you don't have, if you're not in a sort of self-care aware culture at work, then your ability to do your work and to, to be a service to the people that you're, that you're working with is diminished. And, and that's not great for anyone. Um, so I think that for me the way to create that culture or at least what i'm trying it, and again like I, I don't know i'm experimenting and just seeing what helps is firstly through being open about it and talking about it so that it's a topic that people are familiar with that it becomes utilized in the culture to check in on this like what is how, how are people doing 
in our team meetings we start the meeting with a check-in like how are you like what you know is there anything you want to let us know about um about you we do that at the cabin too the self-directed education setting um that i that i work in and founded that we all our meetings start with a check-in and, and that check-in sounds like people sharing if they want to like what their needs are and how they're how they're doing that day um so yeah it's about asking questions using the language making the language usual and and i think modeling it yourself so sharing about how you know i i try and share myself how i'm doing i share try and share um uh, in different ways if i'm having to be mindful so like sometimes i say oh last week was a really busy week and so this week i'm doing this this and this to try and um manage my self-care or to to to, to just uh, like one example would be if i have a week where i have a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations with other people um i often find that i then need a week with less meetings in order to to manage my self-care so i'll express that um so yeah so modeling it yourself using the language in the space building it into the to your culture through the infrastructures that you have so including it as a as um a part of meetings and stuff I think is really important and and it's also because I am aware that the change that we're working for at Phoenix is is um one really challenging <laughs> like yeah. it's, a, it's a big challenge um and two it's going to take a long time of persistent action to get there um you know it's not like in five years time we're going to be really happy because all the change you want to see is manifested in the education system like i really don't expect that to be the case even if the government turned around tomorrow and said oh yeah actually this is a really good better way of doing it we'll like turn it into policy it, policy is irrelevant really if the practice doesn't then also change and it's the practice changing which is what makes a difference to people on a day-to-day -day level and supporting the practice changing is really challenging because you know imagine taking self-care as a concept into school environments and encouraging teachers to practice self-care when school environments tend to have a culture of the opposite of self-care you know and massive barriers to being self-caring so so i think um yeah it's basically it's, it's also thinking that this is a long haul and i personally want to be in it for the long haul like i'm in it for good i'm committed so um i need to be well and, and i and i really want the folks that i'm working with to also experience wellness in, in what they're doing can you please mute yourself if you are not muted there's a bit of background noise and can i take another question thank you max did i answer your question yeah you did answer the question thank you and i also really appreciate it about you that you are caring not just for yourself but for other staff and for the organization as a whole so that's my public appreciation of you oh thank you max <laughs> josie Hi, um, I wondered how you feel about managing the kind of power and consent dynamic of um, sometimes like when like self-care is kind of an emergency. Like I had a, like a, just an example, um, I had like my kids screaming and screaming at me and it got to the point where I was like, I have to step away from this. So I put my 18 month old baby down and shut the door. And I opened the door again and he was like, you know, like that's, that's horrible <laughs> to have that done to him that he was like, just suddenly had his mum removed from the situation. Like, how do you have any <laughs> things around thinking around your kind of, you know, for want of a better word, exploitation of your power in that situation to just say, I choose, I'm removing myself. You don't get a say in this. So I think that that is a really interesting and important question. Um, because 
the alternative for you there would have been also to do something that wasn't really consensual, right? Mm. For yourself and also for the other person, because you knew that you couldn't be in relationship at that point in the way you wanted to be, or that was in the right, in the way that was, you know, yeah, I was good for everyone, right? Yeah. Exactly. So you, and I think this is the thing, like in an emergency, like um, you need, you need to think about doing what is the right, the, the, the risk managing, right? Like the the, the, the issue, the, the, the kind of challenge to that being consensual um, and the impact of that is less of a risk than you shouting in your baby's face, right, mm. to put it. So stepping away and shutting the door and just taking the time that you need, you're investing basically in the future relationship. Yeah. And, and, and also like, I, I tend to think about this 80-20 ratio that 80% of the time, we can be in really, really great consensual relationships in what we're doing and communication can be really great and balanced and, you know, things can be feeling cool. And that, that 80% of, of, um, of goodness or whatever, I don't want to say good as, as like a, such a value judgment. I don't know. I have a good word for it, but 80% where things are kind of going in a way that feels, you know, right. Yeah. Give some grace to the ruptures that inevitably are going to occur. Um, and and you you know you establish trust in all the other time that you are connected that you are able to be more responsive and available so that when something happens you can do what you need to do in that instant and then repair afterwards you know come once you've cared for yourself come back apologize explain Mm -hmm. reconnect you know think about what you might want to change to avoid that happening again or you know acknowledge that sometimes this might happen for this reason and that reason um and it's just it's definitely not about like um feel beating ourselves up even more because we can't achieve sort of perfection in the approach if you know what i mean like and, and i think in life anyway that's that's good to know because we live in a volatile environment where our ability to do what we would prefer to do isn't always possible. Mm. Um, and so we need to become comfortable with this idea that like, sometimes we have to make a choice in them. We need to make a, a strategic choice. I would call that actually, it's like a strategic choice. Like in this moment, what is the right thing to do? Knowing that it's, you know, in conflict with my values, but in some ways, or could be interpreted that way, but actually I'm thinking about not just right now in this moment, but things yeah. overall. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. Thanks. Is there anything anyone else would like to say? Sarah and Alexi? Um, yeah, so the uh, I'm a verbal processor, so my question is in here somewhere. Let me get it. Um, so you, you were talking about how you start your meetings at Phoenix with like that check-in and that feels like it needs a place where you can be very open and honest. I'm thinking in like in a corporate environment where I work in, I have a very open and inclusive environment, but I, the things that impact my work in terms of what I would need in self care are mostly going to be my social life. And so mostly Mm -hmm. when I I check in with my social group, we all sort of say, Oh, how are you doing? And we're open enough to talk about those sorts of things and what our needs might be. But I, even in the kind of great work environment I have, I can't imagine bringing, oh, I had an argument last night and it's really, do, do you know what I mean? How, mm. I, I don't see the steps from, from like this sort of bold line division between work and, and life that, that can get me to the place where I could be so honest about how I'm doing that I could say to my work colleagues, I'm not doing great right now because 
I think that comes from accepting a radical openness. Um, yes, it, so, it felt it felt like a radical. So the, yeah. the, the situation you were describing felt like a radical act. It felt very humane, incredibly humane, but like so different from the norm that I experience. I'm, I'm, I, uh, do you have any roots to, to that between those two points? Yeah, so I think as well, like there's a nuance to this, right? So, and and also how people in a team use that space and opportunity is often really varied. I would say that is true at Phoenix and at the cabin. Um, and there's also different ways to process your things and be self-caring in what you do. So, for example, it might it might not be about consistently sharing across all your spaces on things that you're experiencing, right? Like that you, you might instead meet the need in different ways, either through journaling or through a conversation with with a partner, friend. Or, you know, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that um, um, how, how a per, um, it's not nece- always necessary for someone to check in on all their things in all their places is what I'm trying to say. And in terms of like a work environment, I think that, that um, how a person uses a check in or, or that space at work will be really related to um, to the things you're talking about so for example like how safe you feel in doing that how how um how intimate your work environment is or isn't and also who how you want to use your work environment because it might be more functional and less personal i guess the point is that um um feeling that you can use that space to share if you have a problem like if there's something that is very pressing to you um, and being able to do that is about how much you trust that space and how and, and how much you trust that space, I think, is depending on your experiences in that space up until that point, basically. So. Um, so I think that um, like this sort of sharing is very vulnerable making and lots of people struggle with it. When I work with people, I find that children struggle less and adults struggle a lot more because it feels very exposing and very vulnerable. And it is a journey for people to work through that and decide how they want to be with their own vulnerability and where they want to be vulnerable or not. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, there's not a simple answer to the question, but I guess from my point of view, I want to try and create an environment that feels as psychologically safe as I can through my actions, not just in meetings, but all the time. Um, and that's by being a respectful person to other people, I think, and listening when people share things to me. It, again, this is ongoing work for me. It's not like I'm some kind of like, you know, great person at doing it all the time. Like I struggle as well because it's, it's challenging. Um, but yeah, I hope that's answered the question somewhat. It's, it's not a simple answer um, because it's not a simple question. Indeed. Thanks very much for your time on that. Yeah, thank you. Okay, folks, so we're at 11 o'clock now and that means we have to finish. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for coming. It's been a real pleasure for me and self-caring for me to be in this space and to share on this. Um, I've recorded the audio, so that will show up on the Freedom Land website at some point. And um, and thank you um, for being here, and thank you for the work that you're doing right now in your different spaces and in your lives to affect change. Um, I, I I'm so grateful for what you're doing in your effort because it's so important, and I just wish you all the best for your self care. That's going to help you in that work. Um, and that today, you know, I don't know, I'm going to go off now and think about something that I can do that's going to feel good to me. And, and I wish the best and the same to you as well. So take care and goodbye.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freedom to Learn podcast. For more information about our work, check out our website at freedomtolearn.uk and find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.